Oh yes, we're here so to get Hansel meta on the Overnight Scape Central on PQ River, just in case for some odd reason you didn't Empire know. Uh, I, I assume. Han uses uh, his there's a lot to destroy a power transformer uh, And here's one of my great digressions. Here we go, right at the beginning he takes of it out Overnight Scape Central. There are a lot glass. of... Uh, then conventions the rest of it on that uh, podcasts echo Leia from their ancestors in uh, radio programs and audio programs and even things that reflect uh, conventions world, of television programs. The moon, but sand, none of these and the stars uh, dry except that the odds of somebody running into, you know, if you're watching television or listening to the radio, you're tuning around. And the odds that you're going to come upon something on that you have no idea what it is are high. Uh, very high, in death. fact. Uh, it, it is a random uh, thing. Or fix Especially for most people. I mean, uh, most people don't queer. know the names of DJs Adopt and hosts and programs. They just know this while. station plays music that they like Collect and this station has the news. Uh, Radio is pretty simple for most so people inside, and that is sufficient. But uh, podcasts, on the other hand, Let's see as somebody who has already chosen somehow. I mean, the Overnightscape Central does not uh, mysteriously appear when somebody is tuning through other things. Somebody has to actively choose the show. Uh, One would assume that they read some, if not all, of the show notes. So all of these conventions that are normally attached to uh, an audio presentation uh, in the the old ways aren't necessarily necessary um and, and i think frank's adapted to that uh i haven't yet i'm still telling i'm and this is me, me and we are here and we are Go, doing this Buzz all night. Uh, and we are we are you know, my we're breathing. getting so meta here that uh and the other thing that my i didn't even think about when i posited the topic is special. that's the name special. of uh, facebook's uh new poison secret well Sweet not so painless. secret but project that My eyes uh, metaverse descend. thing that they're the doing that, uh some people spine, from what i understand if, you, if they go to their facebook page you're already seeing the meta branding or unless that's I just a rumor like that is uh insubstantial death. but i still uh, i Try have never clicked on anything that would let Facebook, no, I have any interest in it. And I think that's part of it. I think people who expressed interest and clicked on links wanting to know more about this metaverse are going to, of course, and it makes sense, be the first ones who are transitioned. And uh, my hope is that everybody will be so excited and thrilled with the metaverse and meta that Facebook as it exists now will actually be of lesser value, and it'll kind of get put off to the side and less policed and just left alone, and Facebook can go on in its uh, not-cutting-edge technology way and just be the uh, moving message board that uh, really Facebook, no matter what they've done, at the end of the day, it's a dynamic message board. 
and uh, it, fight me, fight me. I Free dare range, you. So it appears to me we uh, have a uh, smaller crew this time around. But after that exit ramp, did you check out? That was really an epic exit ramp. So many hosts, uh, so many ideas and opinions, and some great VHS nostalgia, all kinds of goodies. So if you didn't check out that exit ramp this past week on the Overnight Scape Underground, I would happily and proudly present it to you right here in its entirety, but it's not necessary. It's there. It's there waiting for you. Redundancy aside, to drink water and, uh, from round glasses to drink check it water out. in general definitely um drinking we're gonna get the ball rolling water. this time around with uh shed bowers the use of hands in a living world in a conscious state the apparent burdens of abstract thought once touched like a forgotten law of motion that law which inspired newton to describe motion objects coming together saying, I love you. A razor is rusting the air like a thief. A gas and a villain, it fills the lungs. Waiting to drain this river of life. Porcelain, cold, smooth, vitreous china. Freedom is coming, it follows the hand. Warmth and then coldness. A razor rusts through arcs of hand, angels watching, mirrors turning, a fall on the tiles, the river of blood. Elevators, elevators, elevators. Let us ride so gently in elevators, with canines. Let us push buttons in the elevator, let us ride in elevators freely. I see a dog riding in the elevator, a dog confused about the floors, wagging his tail at the red emergency button, dog elevator rising through the studded floors. Suitfish swim down electric numbers, fancy style, air conditioned with music, complimenting anxiety, worshipping moods, and dogs wagging, standing in the corner like a furry elevator boy. Conducting this quiet symphony with his sad eyes, he smells deodorant all day and knows by brand it is a hobby, obsession, etc. So we move through space, time and past disappears above and below as closing doors, attractive door trim. It all functions and the dog says, this will protect your arm. Up elevator, up. Up will it fall. Who will be ready? The dog elevator boy? You are a vending machine of love. I know, because you gave me two bags of chip, yet I paid for only one. No, keep the change. I want to spread this love to the next patron. The bitch fucks history like crocodile sweet bread. Goddamn rain like a bullet. Goddamn air like ice. My hands falling on my face, I'm cold. Crack goddess, superstar, Christ image television. Shine on my pale skin. I fuck you up. I corrupt 
I fuck you up, I corrupt you. History fuck bitch, crocodile slut. Your pen is Darth Vader's helmet. It contains the force within its barrel. Writing testimonies for the written word. The paper, the stormtrooper's will, to be shaped by the lines of force. I hold Darth Vader's helmet between my thumb and forefinger. Squeeze. A mule green pasture, standing still. Feels like a new day, clean and dry and fresh, after rain all last week. It was late then, we gave up. There was nothing else. These days grow long in everything. Close my eyes to wake a habit. There's a fly that lives in her hair. It eats fixative, I believe. It's quite comfortable there, except when she showers. Then I think it flies around her head. The fly is peculiar. He likes to read the newspaper and is not at all interested in potato salad. Bob looked at his neighbor's cat and laughed. The rusty, bloated can of tuna sitting on the shelf. Or will it end again or why? Forgetting again to try anything. It's a long time in my eye waiting for the day. Flood. There is a red brick a large fruit falls long, loud, ringing, the tree is hollow. A flashing chair burnt my hide. Last nightmare, last nightmare fixed the ham bone, leading some to drink. Ghost hitching full, a paper doll burns, lighting fluids with advocation. Sorry, legal headaches. Aching tree, shallow knee, a chair that sings we know a secret. The broken branch, a wet leg, sitting down telling stories, falling leaf, swollen joints, haunted rocker listening in. The x-ray angels with liquid-filled eyes. Microelectric thought engines, hallucinatory spies. Spirit gun, ghost projector, mannequin lover, face collector, deadpan toxins involve the light. Hypnotist bitch club steals my sight. Let's take the old brains out of bedridden clocks. We'll burn down the fountains and let out the locks. city will be flooded and washed out to sea. Some magical death bots lay siege to me. Nuclear fingers and mustard gas eyes. They'll steal your heart and twiddle your thighs. Rows of black roses glowing in the ash. In the trees... 
In the trees we breathe the ice age begins, In a factory long ago where bears found fur. There lived a dog named Yellowfoot. He thought of factories and designed the modern canning process. It was good that he forgot. Some say he never forgot. Some say dog make impossible thing. I will kill dog. The dog's teachings were in direct violation of the church. A wood affair. Small windows inside they burnt. Books for the picture show. We breathed in deeply, noticing the change of our moon's relative position. Waves, you say. Salt water on my lips. Oh, these th- these are not only so great, but they're so dense-packed, it's... Oh, man. If I had like a million other things to work these around, uh, I think they would have a different efficacy, juxtaposition being everything, of course. But I have gotten permission in previous instances uh, to uh, perhaps add music, etc. And we've got more. This is, this is, there's more. There's considerably more forthcoming. So uh, we're going <clears> to <throat> experiment just a little here on your Overnightscape Central. And uh, we are going to uh, add a little uh, accompaniment, soundtracking behind this and uh, see perhaps what that may uh, bring for all of us here. Let's listen together. We are on the road just passing through Hope Hole it's H-O-P-E-H-U-L-L Alabama I stopped at a new Stuckey's a freshly reinvigorated Stuckey's and I had a delicious pecan roll took a few pictures of it I thought I might send those to uh, Stephanie Stuckey. I've been following her on LinkedIn. That's normally the boring social network for work, but Stephanie's one of the more interesting uh, characters on LinkedIn. She's relaunching her family business store to store, bringing uh, all candy production back in-house starting fresh, you know, doing it right. So it's an awesome thing to see. I'm about an hour and 20 minutes down the road. We're into the second Diet Coke. We've had a pecan roll, which was damn good, damn fresh. Melting your mouth makes you realize if you've ever bought a pecan roll off a shelf or at a normal store that goes through the distribution process that, say, a normal Snickers or a pack of M&Ms or some other candy. Talk about a, uh, a stupid subject. The shoes worn by anthropomorphized 
M&M's in their advertising recently became a story released and propagated by M&M Mars trying to celebrate the fact that after being in existence for all who knows 15 or 20 years these these little cartoon M&M's that had little legs drawn on them one of them was a sassy uh, female wore high heels like Dolly Parton like Miss Piggy a bigger in life character you know the, the kind of person that if you wanted to dress up uh, as a female at a drag show, this would be the, the type of character you'd want to embody, only uh, she was pretty low-key, right? She didn't really uh, have a big voice or wasn't obnoxious or anything. She just was a character, and I guess the way her shoes were drawn, they were high heels, and now they've redrawn them as sneakers, and Eminem Mars feels like they've really done something here. They're, they're proud of this change in a way that can only make me remark as a visitor to your planet, uninvolved in the daily goings-ons, can only make me say, what? I said, Captain. I said, what? stops. So you pay for, to go to the moon, and you go, 
But if you build a road, particularly if it has to meet certain standards and be kept up, well, that's a forever amount of maintenance. So I can imagine the overall cost of the interstate system probably dwarfs anything else that we've done. And a lot of engineers could make great arguments on why it's uh, worth every penny, because while not as visually impressive as pyramids off to the side of a city, kind of a dumpy looking city, Pyramids are impressive, but they're not really uh, anything compared to the complexity and engineering and work and perfection that is the uh, interstate highway system. Yeah, you know, every once in a while you gotta toot the horn of the buffalo that you're riding. He won't let you forget it. All right, one second. Yesterday I was watching YouTube videos. YouTube videos of the engineer's name was Boy is Joy, B-O-I-S-J-O-Y, and he was one of the lead uh, engineers for Morton Thiokol, and a lot of this footage, well this particular footage exactly was recorded in 1990, he would tour engineering facilities at different universities and would give speeches about the the need for ethics in engineering and the responsibility of engineers to stand up to management when problems are found. I don't know if you've ever read the, uh, the actual papers of the Challenger report, the investigation, or, or even this gentleman from Lawrence Iacall. He was uh, one of the lead engineers for the O-ring seals on the booster rockets. And there was quite a drama going on at NASA. He goes through the problems that were found with the O-rings, the temperature-related problems, the fact that at temperatures below 50 degrees, the seals could be bypassed by hot gases and were often. It's amazing that there were not other disasters on the shuttle. But that morning, the decision to launch at temperatures below zero, that decision for a launch time was known in the days or day or two before. And this group of engineers that had been sort of looking into the O-ring problem, started raising alarm bells and uh, saying that they, you know, passing word unofficially to colleagues at NASA, up through their own brass on both sides, they arranged for a meeting the night before the launch. And the night before the launch, they had this uh, teleconference 
Morton Thiokol, management, their top engineers, including this gentleman, NASA, launch decision, Capcom, people that are making the go, no-go next day. And basically, they told them, you know, at this temperature, I feel like there's a very high probability that the shuttle could explode on the launch pad. It could just instantly explode shortly thereafter. Now, these guys had gone out on a limb, to put it lightly. His speech goes more into the internal pressures that were against him and how brave it was for them to stand up. And the story goes on to the aftermath, even after it was proven they were right. They were still sidelined at work. They were considered the reason for the problem because they brought up the possibility of it. They didn't embarrass the company. They'd ruined the company. They'd ruined the lives of the people that worked in the factory. The whole town could be in danger because these guys dared to try to prevent what they saw as an incredibly likely tragedy. They even mentioned that none of them could watch the launch on the morning. None of them could bring themselves to watch it. They were so horrified that the shuttle was going to explode instantly. And one of them had congratulated the other after so many seconds into launch. It was thought they were through the danger zone. Usually by that point, any leaks and seals you might expect would have run their course or perhaps uh, would not happen at all. But, but right as they were thinking they had made it, one of them got word of what had happened. It was just a sick feeling for these men. Just absolutely sick that despite throwing their careers into the ring in defense of not launching, despite of what would undoubtedly be lifelong mental damage to themselves, post-traumatic stress, ruined career, divorces, you know, these things aren't simple. Nothing is ever simple, nothing is ever easy. But man, uh, Mr. Boy's Joy, I totally, totally salute you. Good job, sir. One side note, while watching launches of the shuttle program, researching this bender that I went on, this NASA disaster bender, I realized that the ch the crowd at a launch of any rocket, of new, old, continuously, the crowd sounds at these rocket launches sound like a big pack of chimpanzees in the jungle. 
just excited and pointing at a thing flying up into the sky. A sense of magic that they can't quite believe has manifested. It was just intriguing to me how interrelated those sounds were. If you're just hearing the sound and you're not seeing it visually, you could become convinced that there were nothing but crowds of chimpanzees watching all of these launches through history. Some would say that's just, in fact, what happened. Nothing unusual about that at all. I see what they're saying. I really see it. NASA. NASA. Oh, man. Yet that, oh boy, especially that first part, which really was the part that could have benefited from, maybe it didn't need the music. It it could have been chopped, I don't know. But uh, especially that part, I heartily recommend, uh, even just right now before you proceed, to, to scooch back, scooch back to where I introduced Chad at first and listen to that first section again because that's just a, a marvel of uh, construction and uh, effort for a segment on the Overnightscape Central, yes, but even more just uh, a remarkable thing in and of itself that, uh, I don't know, that there should be an outlet. Uh, Chad is becoming his own sort of Joe Frank uh Ken Nardine sort of a thing happening there and it, it is it, it's a beautiful thing that uh, I am so I'm amazed here on my show I get oh boy but it's just remarkable in general the community and family that we've put together here on the overnightscape underground and I've got to tell you the uh, episode of the exit ramp going back to that it, you could feel it uh, we are part of a tribe or something and we may have our differences or whatever but we are more or less there is a page somewhere that all of us are on regardless of any other pages we may be messing around with and uh it's familial. It, it, we kind of uh, all, you know, there's crazy Uncle PQ and uh, beloved patriarch Frank. And uh, I am sure somebody who uh, is much more imaginative than I could put together a complete uh, set of uh, analogs for everybody. Uh, it's, it, it can be done. And uh, not that I'm asking anybody to do that, but it can indeed be done. Um, let's see. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, as always, uh, at the end of the show, I tell next week's topic and tell you where you can mail your files or send me a message in the body of an email and I will read it on your behalf. And every so often... Every once in a while, someone takes advantage of this, and this is one of those rare weeks. Uh, sorry, no audio. Please read. L-O-L. -L. 
is the uh, email received from our own Eddie of Cloudbase fame and of course uh, the Wool Gathering, his current show, which is really, I mean, if you like this rampley monologue, uh, bouncing ideas, uh, Eddie is another master of this art. Uh, it, what a formidable cast. I mean, we could be our own uh, serious radio channel, except for the fact that uh, there might be a problem with commercial uh, viability. Because uh, I, I think there is a much huger audience for what we do here than what we are reaching. But I don't think it is enough to make it an actual business model, uh, at least in 2022. And we hold out hope for 2023. Okay, so uh, uh, we're going to read this right off uh, this here email. Uh, let's go there then. I am writing this, and you are reading this, and you, the listener, are listening to this. I am writing what you're listening to so I can make you listen to whatever I write which means what I am saying is what you can hear because I am reading what you are hearing because he is writing what I am talking about. So you can hear what I'm writing while you are listening to him reading what I want him to make you listen to. So, Google, gaga, googly, boogly, boo, choo, choo, chiroo to you. So that was a letter from Eddie. He is a big poo-poo head, but his shows are absolutely amazing. I would also recommend you listen to my show, The Earthquake in Reverse to the Satellite. And if you all now try to visualize yourself listening to this, then now, you are now, you, watching you, listening to what I write while I talk, and you listen, we all just made it through all that together thank you pq i mean eddie i mean you the listener wait is this over yet do you know if i'm finished reading while your imagination imagines yourself listening while you listen what i write and he reads while i talk i don't know i mean i don't know if this is finished yet and uh yeah all of that good stuff <laughs> yeah, this is a, a, an extra absurdist episode on top of everything else of the Overnightscape Central. And we are here together. Oh, that's the important thing. I, I really got a nice feeling from yesterday's exit ramp. And in general, the last few weeks, at least in my circle, things are lightening up and moving again it i mean no it's it, 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 this is the new normal uh who knows but uh it, it it's a nice thing feeling just a little bit lighter after all of the uh gloppum and weight we have been uh, sloshing through for a couple of years now um, mm-hmm and, uh, yeah, oh, by the way, yes, I will be uh, letting you know what the topic is for next week and all that other stuff. And, indeed, you can use this as an inspiration if you want to write something and uh, it's just PQ does a voiceover job on it. 
Uh, that's fun. I mean, you got to be careful what you ask for, but uh, I'm asking for it, and here we go. Uh, let's see. Um, moving right along. Uh, let's. Oh, we got to check because uh, we are now in that zone. Nope. Uh, all we got for you now, and it's by no means minimizing what we've got for you, because uh, I've been listening. Uh, as long as we've got a little extra time and we're getting meta here. I have been listening to uh, old overnightscapes. Uh, I have, uh, for a while, I'd been listening to the very beginning of what Frank put together with the Onsug. But when you go to uh, the chronological, or what he calls the incoming shows... Starting with Onsug Radio 902, he would every month put the incoming shows on a single page on archive.org, which allows one to just start at the beginning. And this is, has been my overnights. We went through 902, and we're starting 903. And uh, at this point in the doings of this, he actually took the time to put everything by host i believe at some point sooner than later this format switches over to straight chronological which is probably uh better variety wise but again i've been listening to a lot of old classic frank these all of these shows stand up pretty well uh frank's especially there he seems to be he has this Gene Shepard-like timelessness, uh, even when he is addressing issues of uh, current events, uh, he manages to distance himself in a way. I don't know what the proper uh, nomenclature would be, but uh, some great shows. And I, even if you were following everything over the last week, uh, uh, there was a Quake Reversal satellite. There, w I made a song out of uh, one of his uh, monologues on one of these old shows. And this, this could uh, become uh, something that repeats, and even other hosts. Uh, Mike Booty's doing some great stuff on these. Bicoastal Becky does. Uh, even the meanderer oh there's some great things and shambles and reuben we have a remarkable thing here and i know i say it over and over but i also feel that i can't possibly say it enough now um meta shmeta here's frank nora one meta idea i had was for a mug with mugs on it right so it'd be a coffee mug and on the mug would be pictures of other classic coffee mugs, right? And I, I never did it because, I don't know, there's only so many hours in the day. But I thought it would be really cool to have a mug with images of other mugs on it. That's kind of a meta concept, right? And I have a, I'm sitting here out here on my porch waiting for the snow to begin. Even though it is snowing now, uh, I am waiting. The big snow is not here yet. Uh, it, it was interesting. This morning it was snowing, and now I guess it's the snow melted on a lot of the areas. So now I'm just waiting for the big snow to come. <laughs> anyway, uh, 
yeah, this I'm smoking a cigar here on a Friday afternoon. It's the Acid Cuba Cuba. It's the most meta cigar I could find. I mean, there's not a lot of cigars that are about cigars or cigars that contain other cigars, you know. But Cuba Cuba, sort of, it has a beautiful green foil label. It's a flavored cigar. It has a candela wrapper, so it's, it has almost a, like a greenish cigar. Some things are hard to find in, in, in meta versions of, right? <laughs> I recently did a on on the Overnightscape my show. I, I recently had an idea for a a, a superhero um, who had very meta powers. His name was Righto, R I G H T O, Righto. You know, like that thing, Righto. Yes, so, sort of an old-fashioned way of saying, okay, Righto. But he was a character whose power was to be able to know he's being written by someone. Someone's writing the story of his life, a comic book writer. And he's he's able to turn the tables and start writing the life of the person writing him. So that's very meta, right? And I was trying to think, like, I, I, I didn't talk about this on the show, but, like, what mechanism would they use to communicate? So basically, Righto could write that like anything he wants about the writer's life so he could be like the writer went through his stack of of drawings and one was covered with lettering that he didn't create but it was in his own handwriting and it said hello i am righto i am writing your life just like you're writing my life right or you could even have a phone call from righto because anything that you could uh, right would just happen in the other person's life because you're at a higher meta level, right? So I think, uh, you know, like in the story, the writer's thinking like, oh my, oh, I guess I have to kill off this character because they're, they're harassing me. They're, they're like ruining my life or they're changing my life. And then right host will tell them, well, look what happened to the last writer who did mysteriously die, you know? That's why the new writer was assigned. It'd be like a horror movie. Right-ho. That's one of my frivols. An idea that doesn't have to go any further than the idea stage. Yeah. And it's interesting. The sh- my show, The Overnightscape, which has been going for, uh, what, ni- almost 19 years now. The original uh, idea for it said a, a, a non-meta half-hour talk show. So I didn't want it to be meta. It was interesting. I was very aware of, of that um, I wanted it to be a show that didn't talk about itself so much. Now, of course, I did not succeed in that regard, and I don't know how important it was, but I'm trying to think what my idea was. It was supposed to be something that uh, just was a thing and didn't have to talk about itself so much, you know? I guess you could say what happened to Howard Stern while he was still on terrestrial radio. He just started talking about his show and how he's being harassed by the FCC all the time and didn't really have any regular content, right? But meta levels are always very fascinating. Of course, the movie The Matrix, of which the fourth version came out recently, and it's it's just not neither here nor there. It's not worth worrying about in any way. It's not worth watching. It's not worth thinking about. It's not good. Not good at all. Perhaps better than the, than the other sequels, but that's really not saying anything. But anyway, so of course, a big meta level is uh, is involved there. Of course, Neo is this guy living in 1999, 
Los Angeles or something, and he uh, he's wondering what is the Matrix, right? and Morpheus like I can't tell you, I have to show you, and then uh, he takes the red pill and wakes up in this pod and finds out the world he's been living in has been a computer simulation within this other world, right? That's in the future. That's going up a metal level. And I always thought that they were going to show that the entire real world, as they called it, with those hovercrafts and Zion and those cities and right, uh, all of that, where he, the place where he woke up, I was really expecting eventually they were going to say is uh, another computer simulation and he'd wake up at the next level up, right? They never did that, though. I thought they would, though, because in one of the movies he starts, like, in the quote-unquote real world, starts, like, shooting lightning out of his hands or something. So I was almost convinced they were going to go there, but they didn't. They never went there to the next level up. And it's... And Clearly, as as I've mentioned many times, um, this is a this is in a way to represent uh, the gnosis from the Gnostic uh, religion, the Gnostic Christian sect, and the gnosis is this insight, this thing you get to know that is the way to salvation. And in some interpretations of of, of Gnosticism, right, Christ is a messenger of information trying to reveal to you this truth, right? Another TV show, a TV show that was very Gnostic in nature was The OA, T-H-E space O-A. And uh, this one basically also represented the Gnosis as the main character realizing that, you know, they're just a character in a movie, Right. Excuse me, Molly. Like puff on my Cuba, Cuba. <laughs> yes, this is actually really good. It's wild flavors, man. I like this one. Cuba, Cuba. So, but I don't know that those that investigate Gnosticism necessarily like those are two fictional things, which where the Gnosis is represented by. A meta-level jump, right? So, I'm just wondering, is there some indication that the belief system known as Gnosticism is suggested that the Gnosis itself, the knowledge itself, is that there's a that there's that there's a meta-level jump? That is, we're inside this lower meta-level, and when you gain the insight, you understand there's a higher meta-level, like there's a world within a world within a world within a world kind of thing, right? And I don't know if it's so Gnostic, but that movie Inception, which... I don't, I don't I forget when that came out. The movie about a dream within a dream within a dream. Um, I did not particularly care for the movie. Everyone was like, oh my god, it's such a mind-bender. I don't know why. It just, it just seemed kind of like... I've heard it all before. It was... Uh, and the same guy... Didn't it, the same guy make that movie where everyone's going backwards? Um... Tenet. That wasn't bad. I guess it was all right. It was that was a bit mind bending trying to think about the forwards and backwards in time thing. But um, yeah, Inception. 
they have a machine which allows you to go inside someone's dream. But then in the dream, the character goes to sleep and starts dreaming, and you go into that dream, right? So you're, And at each, each level, there's a time dilation effect. So you can spend years and years and years inside the dream within a dream within a dream within a dream. And then at some point, they don't even know if they've ever been able to escape the dream system. And then I remember there's a, a, a branch of mathematics or logic known as set theory. And it, talk, it does deal in meta levels, such as the set of all sets that does not contain itself, right? Or the set of all sets that don't contain themselves, right? So there's sets that contain other sets, but then there would be a group of sets. The rule for the set is that, it's, that it doesn't contain itself. There was some sort of paradox or something with one of those, one of those concepts. I remember that whole thing. Um, but meta levels seem to be a big sort of part of life. You hear they're in fiction, they're in, uh, you know, everyday life, even on the show right now, you know, we're, we're like, I'm, PQ is at the top meta level. No, not exactly at the top meta level, but in the context of this episode of the show, he's on the top meta level. He's the host. Right. And he's referring to each, so he's like, He'll say something like, and now here is Frank talking about getting meta. And then I started talking, right? And me talking about this is getting very meta. And he could even stop in the middle of my segment and comment on it. Why don't you do that right now, PQ? Just to, okay. Oh, yeah. Extreme time dilation is occurring at this very moment because we are juxtaposing... uh, days apart utterances as if they occurred in the same actual time frame and uh, yeah and yeah I'm like top metal level until we remember that the entirety of the Ansug uh, remains best described as one giant Frank Edward Nora fever dream and uh, if I consider all of my work here on the station as that for me that adds a whole new dimension and world to populate with sound and my own uh, structure so to speak uh, to work towards um, and I love I love by the way and I must mention the mug mug concept I really think uh, enough people would purchase that even with the the two cents on the dollar that you get from like one of these weird sites cafe press or whatever the latest uh site is that takes your graphics puts them on things uh yeah i i would heartily recommend taking the five minutes it'll take you to design that frank because uh you pop that up there and just forget you ever did it and somehow I suspect uh, they're not big checks, but uh, enough to buy some uh, the cigars will start rolling in because that's the kind of thing that uh, people will buy. Uh, just to have. Uh, oh, man. We are so meta. Okay, we're back. We're back. He, he just said something. He was at another meta level and he said something. Right, so this is playing with meta levels, but it's, it's not necessarily the top meta level because 
in the past we have done uh, shows where we play clips from other shows. So, like, there was a show called The Onsug Project, which I'm going to be reviving in some form this year, uh, the concept of uh, a meta-review system, a playlist system. Um, I was calling it patchings. And this is kind of a meta-perspective to say, um, find sets of shows, make a playlist of shows, and then just play a few minutes from each show, right? Um, but there's been times where we've played clips of a show. So, for example, I could say, you know, play a clip of this episode on another episode, and I'd be at a higher meta level, right, than PQ or myself buried down these meta levels, right? Levels of reference. Shows within shows within shows. And I've run into that myself when I've, um, I'll play older audio of myself, maybe an old episode of The Overnightscape or my childhood audio. And it, there's been times where I've this the episode I chose, maybe something from like 2014. I'm like, here's me from 2014, and then me from 2014 is playing me from like 1993, you know. <laughs> and there's all these different versions of Frank there at, at different meta levels, yeah. But yeah, there's a, like a Grant Morrison is a comic book writer that deals in a lot of metal levels. Um, the series called the Multiversity was so great. It was a, it was like the great a great comic series. I know it's been collected in in a collected form. It's really worth checking out because it's like it starts off like one of the characters is talking to you, the reader of the comic book, right? And that's very meta. And I think it's sort of a meta-commentary on the comics industry, right? The ultimate enemy was called the empty hand. So maybe that represented... And I don't know if this has ever been determined, but I think that represented people losing interest in comics and stop reading them. That, that there's, their hands are not... There's no comics in their hands anymore. They're not reading anything anymore. But... Of course, the term meta has become very uh, big in recent months because the company Facebook decided to create a new meta company, which this is interesting because right, Google did the same thing. Google had all these subdivisions, but they decided they needed a, 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 a parent company of which Google would now be a subdivision of, and they created um, Alphabet. And then as a meta level up, so that was like the top company, and then Google was a division of Alphabet. So those are meta levels, but Facebook <coughs> Facebook decided to create a company that was called Meta because it's sort of at a meta level up, but it's called Meta for a different reason. What I heard my phone beep or something. Anyway. Anyway, um... Get rid of some of this ash in the ashtray. Yes. The reason, of course, it's named Meta is because of the Metaverse, which um, is is a term that generally talks about uh, a large, uh, uh, an interconnected virtual reality world, a computer world. Uh, whereas now there are 
there is a uh, you know what we call VR, right? It, these uh, goggles you put on, and you're in, it's like you're inside a computer world, right? As you move your your head around, it tracks your head motion and it shows you what you would see if you were in that world, right? So virtual reality, but currently there's just individual apps or games that uh for example i i did try out the uh oculus one of the oculus whatever i forget the name of it it's just by itself it's not you don't have to connect it to anything and you start off looking at you know like a phone screen a bunch of icons you have to choose an experience to have and then you go into that experience that is a meta level but it's not a metaverse the idea is that the metaverse is a contiguous uh, you know, sort of uh, equivalent to a physical space that contains all the other virtual experiences, right? The metaverse, right? Everything is inside this world. So that's why um, it's been kind of confusing because VR is a technology and the metaverse is something that would be, I, I think everyone agrees, would be very important to bring this technology to a great fruition, right? That is a, uh, a world, a, a virtual game world type of thing that everyone can go into and live in and play games in and do things in, right? The idea that there would only be one metaverse ideally, right? Something that's decentralized ideally. And they tried that with uh, a technology known as uh, OpenSim, I believe. And it just hasn't really caught on, right? You could, you could just run your own virtual world on a server. On your own server in your own house, you could run a virtual world using this technology. Or you could rent space on a server, which makes it obviously a lot easier because who knows if your ISP is going to allow it and yada, yada. But... So in a sense, that kind of – it's weird because the open source metaverse is simply uh, – there are these individual spaces, but they can all interconnect. And you, you can have the same stuff, the same avatar between them, right? So it is like a meta system for having 3D virtual experiences. Whereas now, it's all – there are virtual worlds you can go into that – involve VR goggles and some that don't involve VR goggles. For example, I uh, occasionally play a game called Tower Unite and it's and it's a uh, it is a little it's one a little island uh, that can I think support up to 60 people at a time and then each instance can only support 60 people at a time. But it's like a little virtual world. I only play it on a computer screen, but it's very immersive and it's it's very cool for what it is. And there's lots of little ones like that. And there's ones like, like VR Chat, which you can play 2D or 3D immersive. Um, but each one is its own little place, and each one has their own avatar system. And the own, you know, so your possessions, your objects, your hats, and your different bodies you can wear are unique to each of these little places, right? And then, of course, there's there's you know games like. World of Warcraft or Grand, Grand, GTA Five, Grand Theft Auto Five. Again, they're shared worlds, but there, there's a different system in each world. 
a metaverse would have uh, right a, a common system but beyond all that um, I think in terms of philosophy meta levels really do are I think a sort of feels like kind of a boundary in some ways of our ability to conceive of things because there's one thought experiment that really freaks me out when I really think about it, which is just like imagine nothing exists at all, right? Imagine there's complete nothingness. The universe, all that exists, there is nothing, right? And now, of course, when we think of all of time and space and dimensions and future and past and everything that could possibly exist, right? We know that we, we're in a kind of universe where something exists, right? And I think that that, in terms of philosophies, that is one of the only things we can really know, right? At this human level, right, we know that something exists because we're experiencing this, right? And we know consciousness exists because we are conscious, right? But beyond consciousness, that is, we are observing this, whatever that means, but we know we're observing this. In, in a larger sense, we know that the concept that nothing exists anywhere cannot be true because something exists right here. So you might say, you know, there, in, in the future there'll be this cataclysmic event and everything gets destroyed and then there's nothingness. But that does. But then when you include time, obviously something existed in the past. So when you in, when you think of the totality of everything, right? Something is existing now, which means that from we know that the the entirety of everything cannot be empty. But you can try to imagine it. But you can't because you're always imagining it from some sort of perspective, right? And if you have a perspective to observe the nothingness, that means something exists, right? Yeah. But I was recently, you know, on the show I was talking about the nature of God. In theory, to think of God as the totality of everything, right? And God itself has a mind of some sort. And I sort of talked about, well, God's floating in this. Well, how can no God can't be floating in any kind, any kind of anything? Because that means there's something outside of God. And if we're defining God as the totality of everything, there can be nothing outside of that. And that right there also is very hard to conceive of. Something that is not inside of something else. Something that is just the totality of everything. It sort of violates our our sense of things are inside things are inside things, right? Oh, I love a little synchronicity. Uh, just this past week, uh, I was uh, having a related deep discussion. Uh, I'm back in touch with uh, an old friend who has a the doctorate 
in philosophy. And we are, have been having these very uh, meaningful and meaningless and deep uh, conversations. And one of them was uh, whether there is such a thing as an empty space or nothingness. And of course, the first thing that I posited was that, you know, the most dense stuff we know of diamond if you look at it on the subatomic level it consists of mostly empty space which i was immediately updated as to the current physics which somehow there is no empty space uh, without going into I, I read some a uh, fairly complicated explanation of electromagnetic fields and the illusion that we have in the model of the atom with the balls spinning around another ball and somehow and I can't see it at a subatomic level so I'm not this is another well this is what science says this week type of thing you can either accept or reject it and if you reject it you're anti-science yes that's how it works unfortunately but uh in if there really probably is only emptiness uh theoretically as far as the human experience goes because even if there is an empty space our brains are putting something in there and at the end of the day i suppose all we really perceive is what our brains tell us we are perceiving and we can try to work around that through various systems but at the end of the day i'm pretty sure you shake us awake at two in the morning we're going to revert to the original plan um it's as far as paper comics and paper books especially comics um maybe because i've reached the handling comics is a hassle zone i don't know how many of you have ever collected or read comic books okay say there's a title and you want to sit down and read a run of 30 40 issues i mean back in the day you had a heap of comics and you'd find them all and there they'd be in a pile and you'd flip now you're dealing with finding them in a long box somewhere debagging and deboarding and rebagging and reboarding and uh, of course if you are a comic book collector you're not going to go in the backyard and lay on the ground and roll around with a comic book or you know fold it in half and stick it in your back pocket and take it down the street and read it on a bench um all of the things that to me made reading comic books convenient and easy they're gone and with my crappy eyes i really often can appreciate that i can enlarge stuff and move it around uh so for my i know i'm in the minority there is a tactile experience that i do at times miss uh, on the long haul a, a digital comic is fine most digital books are fine I'm spoiled because every day I am handling books at some point or other 
uh, I don't think there's a day of my life that that doesn't happen. So I am never uh, in the foreseeable future going to lack that. And uh, yeah, getting into his you know various time mixing things, uh, the, the, my music. I mean, recently I've been doing things like taking uh, a sample sampler recording song whatever we'd want to call it that uh was originally laid down in some form in 1991 and i'm running it through some processing and uh i added some guitar maybe in 2015 and it sat in a folder and then i put a vocal on it in 2022 and uh yep yeah, it's basically the the same guy three times but three different guys um and yeah that's the other thing i've been discussing with the philosophers uh the whole like really we change from day to day i mean some parts of us remain consistent and other parts of us can change drastically and uh, it's really strange how uh what will and won't you know, being in touch again after, what, about 12 years, 11 years, uh, the, the rediscovering another person that you're fairly close to, uh, that in and of itself is kind of super meta and enlightening. And uh, I think it asks more questions when I think about it than answers to be quite honest but uh, that's what keeps us going more questions to try to figure out our best guesses at uh, clarifying our experience here in this metaverse and I know some people think about you know the further you go out right that you know the way Atomic particles and atoms have been described as sort of a central, uh, you know, uh, proton or neutron or something, and then there's electrons spinning around it, kind of like planets going around stars, right? So to say that there's some kind of continuum that if you zoomed out far enough, we'd be back inside a single atom, you know, and so that there is the the, the boundaries are sort of uh, rec- not recursive, but Right, it's sort of an endless uh, loop of levels, <laughs> meta levels. Yeah. All right, we just jumped to the inside because it's too cold out there. Oh, the battery's about to run out. Let me uh, let me change the batteries. See, that's sort of a meta commentary on my recording right here. I'm talking about the recording itself, yes. Ah, fresh batteries, nice. But yeah, it does remind me of like, uh, I really need to sort of re- re-explore Gumby, the TV show, because I know there's a there's a whole phase and range of uh, Gumby, the stop-motion animated series. And uh, let me see, like, there was a point where he, he would like, there were these books and he could go into a book and then he would be in the world of that book, which is kind of like meta levels, right? Let's see. Um, there was Gumby was on Howdy Howdy Doody fifty five to fifty six, really. 
Then there was the Gumby show from 57 to 69. That's the one I think I'm talking about. And then there's Gumby Adventures in 1988. Hmm. So it must have been that, that. So 57 to 69, that's 12 years. I think that's the one I'm talking about, right? So anyway, um, that is another type of meta level, like going into a place. And in the book, could there be another book that you, you could go into, right? That's the idea. Now, of course, people do think that, and there's a lot of articles on it, that people think that we're already living in a, in a computer simulation, right? That where we are right now is a virtual reality. It is already a metaverse. And I think a lot of people are coming to, to terms with that. And I think that, from my own experience, I do feel like there's some evidence that we are. There's ways the world works, the way that sensations work and stuff. It just feels like this is a very kind of... like I feel like I have trace memories of what the real world is like. And this is not it. This is a sub-world. This is a virtual world. Right? Now, it also could be a, a sub-world a meta level down if it's not computer generated right because it all has to do with these human bodies and how right we understand some stuff about the human body right but we don't understand consciousness like what is consciousness right it doesn't seem that looking at the human body I know a lot of people say well the brain is a computer that's the consciousness well, no, a computer's not conscious. A computer has uh, calculations, memory positions, right? And it can it can be used to perform very complex uh, calculations, right? And moving around information, uh, but it's not aware of itself. It's not observing anything. So that observation, then, so that I think, really implies, if anything, implies meta levels in reality. That's it. Right, because I am conscious of this moment right now. I'm observing it, but there's nothing in the human being or anything about a, a biological computer, the brain, that could possibly generate consciousness. And I don't think consciousness is something that can be generated. Right? It's an awareness. It's an observation. So I think that we inevitably have to sort of say there must be some kind of mechanism by which a consciousness is connected to and able to take control of a human body and a, a human being, right? And you might say that um, in the process, well, like when you're born, a particular consciousness is, is connected to or tied to this human being, right? And Another observation is that, which also is kind of meta, is that we don't just have the physical body, we have at least one other body, what can be called the astral body, right? And this, of course, is a very, there's a lot about this. I don't think it's ever been proven scientifically, so to speak. But of course, you gotta remember, science is, is a means of, uh, right, observing the world around us and uh, making 
uh, you know, th- make creating theories about thing how things work or things that do exist that are reproducible that could be re- reproducible by other people, right? Anything that you can't see or touch or measure or feel is beyond the scope of quote unquote science, right? So science is obviously very limited, though very useful. Anyway, uh, the astral body is sort of a meta body. It is a copy of your body on top of your body, uh, or overlapping your body in a way. Um, the idea being that when your body dies, your astral no, you're normally not really aware of your astral body, or it's very subtle. It's sort of overlapping you, right? But when you die, you sort of, uh, since your physical body is not available anymore, your astral body sort of detaches, right? But it's it's a spare body. It's it it is still you. you your your mind, your consciousness still exists in that astral body, right? And the reason that we think this exists is that, first of all, people are able to astral travel. They're able to detach, to consciously detach their astral body from their physical body and actually fly around and, and see things and do things. There's a right, huge amounts of information about astral travel. When I was a teenager, I really tried to do it, and I never was able to detach, but so many people say they are able to. It's So, I mean, it's... If it was just all fake and everyone's lying about it, it just seems to be a very persistent topic in occult materials. Um, of course, um, it would seem to be pretty easy to test. Just have a chalkboard with like like a, a six-digit number on it, you know, and tell someone, okay, he, you'll be in this room and astral travel into this other room, and just what is that number? You know, remember that number and come back. That I don't know. I don't know if that's ever been tried, or there must be something. I I have haven't researched. There must be some, some something about that, because it doesn't seem that like if someone could consistently do that, then you could sort of say, "Wow, astral travel's real," or that wouldn't be conclusive proof because it could just be another form of uh, uh you know you could be reading the mind of the person that wrote the number down, or you could be obtaining the information in another way, not astral. But anyway, you know what I'm saying. Um, and then there's the life after death thing where, um, you know, I personally have had a vision when my mother passed away last year of her uh, entering the afterlife. And and she was, you know, herself. And she was met by this guy. And um, I saw them. I, it was weird. It was like meta levels. It was like this this sort of stair step kind of s- structure going up and away from me. And so the idea is that you know when you die, you're in your astral body, and that's why, in her case, someone was there. To, you, you're very confused. You're shocked in the in the moment. Someone was there to help her. My grandmother, my father's mother, Betty Nora. She uh, when she passed away, it seems that she s- got stuck in her house, stayed there as what we call a ghost, which is, I would say, an astral body that sticks around, around where people are. And I was able to, we heard footsteps, we, I certainly felt her presence, and I was able to communicate with her, for lack of a better term, psychically. 
but it felt like her presence, my whole body was tingling, my ears were itching. It was like it was very much like she was there. Now, what we don't understand is, well, what is an astral body? You know, it's it's in the astral plane. Well, what is the astral plane? Is it, um, I think, probably the uh, general way of thinking about it would be it's uh, a three-dimensional form that is, uh, right, uh, a 3D volume that is shifted away from our 3D volume by a small space, right? So the idea that, imagine, again, you have to always go back to imagining f- flat land and two-dimensional creatures that are flat. Imagine a flat plane and then another flat plane that's a millimeter away from it, completely parallel, right? And those flat creatures have their main body and then there's this second body that's existing in that other plane that's so close, but since it does never intersect, it's it's, it's not able to... Um, they, they, they don't ever overlap, but the idea is that, right... Everyone that's alive has their astral body that is coexisting in the same place of where people that are dead are in their astral bodies. That's why we can feel them. The The idea would be is that the astral body is um, our ability to sort of inhabit and use the astral body is very limited at this level. Or it could be that we have full access to the astral body, but the senses, the sensations of the astral body are an order of magnitude less, right? So we feel our physical body um, a thousand times more than we feel things in the astral body. You see what I'm saying? But some people would be more or less sensitive to be able to sort of use what they already have, their astral body that's connected to them, that's in the same plane as as the ghosts. You see what I'm saying? That's just one theory. Um, And then I think that the theory is that, right, when you die, you're then really still alive in that other body. And I think some interpretations of religions and mythological things and legends could say that you can be reborn in another place. And I think that you could either say that there's another place where... Um, Right, that exists a world that exists in, in that other plane, the astral plane. So you could just keep living in your existing spare body, or they can uh, grow a new copy of your physical body using tech, a cloning technology, and you can then ease back into it with your astral body. Right, and I think that there has been some talk of there being additional bodies. There could be. I, the, the word that comes to mind is celestial body, which has a relation, like so, sort of physical to astral is the same as astral to celestial. So you have additional copies of your body, right? And um, so the idea is you could be reborn in in a, a physical sense uh, in another world. You could be reborn in this world using those resurrection machines that can grow a copy of your body but apparently that's not um, that doesn't happen in this world. That's not permitted, right? It's a technology that's forbidden at, at this level. 
as we saw, like last year, you know, government and military admission of UFOs and actual footage filmed by the military of flying machines flying in ways that no human technology that we know of can uh, could fly. So it does seem that that's another piece of information that we're um, existing as a sub-world within a larger series of worlds where there is much higher technology available. So the idea that, right, this is something that it is a system that's set up and could work here. There could be resurrection machines here, but obviously imagine this world where people don't have to die. They can just get reborn. And that changes the nature of this world completely. There's that book by Roger Zelazny, Lord of Light, where they, they utilize that technology. Um, but then it seems uh, another pathway is that... Um, you're, that you can go from being in your astral form to being reborn just as a brand new person, right? And reattach. And then I think the idea there would be that maybe you have to, um, your astral body has to be sort of discarded. And your celestial body then enters into that baby as it's being born. And you merge in with the the astral and physical form of that of the new baby as you're reborn in terms of reincarnation, right? All these different meta levels, but why would it have started? Like, why would it have started this idea of individual robotic beings and being super focused on being one of them? And my best theory is that it's because it's a satisfying experience or it is a rewarding experience to have right the idea that some kind of much larger consciousness has has split itself up into subdivisions and uh each of us is one of those subdivisions but i do like the idea that humans were created for like a specific purpose such as to colonize deep dimensions. But when it was noticed, the overall uh, experiential aspect of the experience of being a human being was considered to be worthwhile and rewarding, right? Then my latest theory was that this world we're in now was built specifically as a world for this one genetic variant, the human being. But what about the theoretical... Uh, you know, race that we are all part of, which is Anunnaki, right? Why would they have been created? And the idea is that they would have been created by a higher up form of being, uh, perhaps for the experiential value of existing as an individual, but without all of the hardship of existing at this level, right? many meta levels. But let me let me go into this cuz I really think I think in terms of the metaverse I think we've all tried out second life at one time or another. <clears throat> second life is just doesn't look good. It doesn't feel good. And this is a decentraland. This is one of the latest crypto uh metaverses and it's 
it is below the quality is be, is sub uh, second life it's it's worse than second life my theory is that in order for the metaverse to really take off it needs to look beautiful it needs to be a beautiful beautifully rendered seamless completely realistic um but it can be stylized, but it needs to have no compromises in terms of its rendering. So once it, once it reaches a certain level of beauty, of complexity, and I think you know what I'm talking about, like you, the, the greatest video game you've ever seen, think even, even more than that, then I think the metaverse is really going to take off. And I think it will involve back-end computing. And I think the real sticking point is that it's a huge, complicated world, and right, you need to render the visual of one avatar's what one avatar's eyes are seeing at any given moment. So there's really no one size fits all thing for that. You have to sort of calculate each one of those by itself. But yeah, I'm in Decentraland now. Um, yeah, and it's do you have these little cartoonish bodies, and uh, it's really kind of crappy and just i mean this is this whole crypto thing this whole blockchain thing is is just like to me in a lot of ways it's like a, a huge pyramid scheme it's like beanie babies all over again with nfts and all this crap and i'm just sad that the metaverse and virtual worlds have been sort of now um connected to these scam feeling like uh, crypto NFT blockchain things, which they don't have to be. And I understand that, you know, if you want to have your own personal possessions in these worlds, you either have to depend on some sort of company maintaining the database or use the blockchain technology. I, I get that, but in this case, it just seems to be like a scam to get people to invest in this sort of fake finance thing, not to not not to have a, a cool virtual world. But I'm walking around this world, and it's pretty crappy, decentral land. <laughs> but it's it's only this is the place where people companies have been buying plots of quote unquote land for like millions of real dollars. You know, and then then, then there's that other game. What was it called? It's the Sandbox or something. Where to play to play the game you had to pay seven thousand dollars, <laughs> and it was it was it was kind of like this. Just you walk around and go you go to museums of NFTs, non fungible tokens. It's a complete scam. <laughs> anyway, I think that a really beautiful, like, beautiful, wonderfully rendered world. The metaverse does not. It, it will be accessible. It will be a thing. You can access it through any means, right? Where there's any kind of a screen, 3D goggles, a computer screen, a phone screen, giant video screens, rooms that are full of video screens, right? There's many ways you can experience it. But I think it is going to be relevant and cool and interesting when, when it finally comes about. But anyway, we're, we're going we're gonna to now go back up one meta level. What, what am I hearing here? Oh, it's something in the game. See, I'm at I'm at a higher meta level than the game, so now I'm going to close the game. See, I'm focusing my attention or my consciousness into the game at another meta level, man. But let's go up one meta level back. 
and we'll go back to you, PQ. Oh, thank you, Frank. And yes, this is this is a, a, a superb, another superb episode in a series. And I got, I have a bunch of stuff jotted down here on this piece of cardstock. So let's just, uh, uh, Frank or anybody, if you are going to examine Gumby's and their significance, their history, and all of that. Uh, you really need, especially those early ones, 1957 to 1969, you need to find the ones with the original soundtracks. Because what they did was, when they revived the whole thing in 1988, because, you know, they had been produced on different levels, uh, the, the soundtracks and the voice of Gumby uh, were, or could be different from episode to episode and they use stock music that may have uh, expired its license I'm not sure how that works so the, the worst synthesizer soundtrack and voice jobs were glommed on the older episodes for the 1988 revival and while they're better than nothing uh, yeah I would uh, make an effort to find them they turn up on YouTube uh, here and there and uh, the very old I mean if just speaking of old VHS's uh, one of the first things that came out on VHS I remember my friends the Wallowitzes had like many of the volumes of the original Gumby's uh, they were like hour-long compilation tapes Oh man, the early days of VHS. There, it, it, it was a rich choice, much richer than what we had been exposed to, but it was still limited enough that you could hold it in your brain for more than an eighth of a second. Anyways, that that's my uh, Gumby thing. And uh, Edgar Allan Poe said something that is very apt and seems to fit here. Uh, is all that we see or seem but a dream within a dream? Ah, yes. Good old Edgar. What a, what a guy. It's, uh, I mean, as far as the astral travel thing goes, there is something there. I mean, a lot of people seem to somehow, uh, in like when they're very sick or near death, at least have the thought that they have left their body and they're up above it somehow looking down at themselves and yeah that would be you know you don't normally see that and it would take a pretty vivid imagination but dreams will give you views like that so it's really hard to quantify that but it is a real thing and it is a phenomenon but in general, I mean, things like Ekinkar people, which, if you're unfamiliar, Ekinkar is some pseudo, kind of culty, religion-y group of people who all claim to astral travel, and they have conventions. And the neat thing about them is they celebrate creativity, but... Uh, the whole astral travel aspect of Ekinkar uh, chased me away from the entire thing. Uh, I mean, it's it's all this emperor's new clothes cults, or just what humans do in general. Like, 
if you remember when that movie Sybil about the woman who had many distinct personalities came out and was a whole big deal uh it turns out years later that uh, she really didn't have all those personalities but in the meantime it was a whole cottage industry in psychoanalysis of people and and they seem to want to one-up each other it's oh now here's somebody with 20 distinct oh here's somebody with 50 distinct here's 400 distinct personalities i think it got up to somebody who made that claim and i believe now um the quote-unquote science that is accepted as of the moment uh puts them all in some other category of some other brain function that fabricate i don't understand but uh, i hope it makes my point uh, people will gather together uh and all claim you know faith healing it's just there you go and we'll leave that one there uh as far as afterlife um i'm not above the idea that there is more than one possibility i myself uh the idea that at night when i sleep i am dreaming and constructing somehow through this dreaming the next place i will inhabit um it seems to resonate with me and of course that could just be another illusion but uh, that's that that's my two cents on that and uh my problem with these metaverses that they want us to populate is i mean yeah i agree with frank it's got to be cool looking it can't be like minecraft uh the bad minecraft especially uh but a place inhabited with people's idealized icons sounds to me like someplace i don't want to go i mean oh my goodness me uh yeah that uh, i i'll let you riff on that in your own minds there and let that resonate with you because if i start i am sure uh, well i'm sure to offend somebody at the very least and uh in the meantime uh, we're, we're we're damn near finished here and uh that that's that's kind of a good feeling we can uh, release this and you can all hear the glory of uh, yeah i am pretty sure this is a good episode so uh, uh let us thank frank chad and uh eddie for uh, uh making this show not just pq river talking to himself and uh tell you all about next week's show because this is going to be interesting uh the topic for next week's overnightscape central is sctv yeah let's uh i uh, don't think this a series and this is a very selfish thing because i don't know some months ago already i downloaded the entire first and i think even second seasons of the sctv tv series and this will make me watch at the very least an episode and i'm hoping several or more between now and the next time we gather here in this metaverse and uh 
there can be no question. I mean, SNL gets a lot of steam out of being an historical comedy program, and I am positing right here and now that SCTV is as, or possibly even, more important. And uh, fight me. And maybe that'll make you participate in next week's Overnight Scape Central. And uh, the rest of it is uh, fairly elementary and the same as it ever same as it ever was. Um, the deadline for the show is sometime uh, in the afternoon of the 8th of February 2022. Uh, or do it now as soon as you're done listening here and uh, it's done and no worries no muss no fuss uh the email address for you to send your recording or as previously discussed typing something up and making pq river reading it uh any of those things you can send to kpqr.torc at gmail.com I'll repeat that in a moment in case you didn't get it. Uh, join us. This is going to be a good one. kpqr.torc at gmail.com. Uh, for that, comments, what have you, uh, send a hello. We'd appreciate hearing from you. And uh, that we're continuing the great fun and incredible programming and building the giant unsug minute by minute and uh, at this point i'm going to thank you for lending your ears while we sing you a song then we try not to sing out of key and uh together now let's set the controls for the heart of the fun